Chapter 22. Peter lit the four big lanterns hanging from the barn rafters. The tools, the sharpening wheel, the wall full of puppets all glowed warm and cheerful in the cones of amber light. Even the hay shone like Rumpelstiltskin's gold. The barn looked reborn but familiar. He knew it lit. He knew it like a home now. Home. As soon as he'd put on Vola's puppet show, just another hour from now, he would finally be free to start out again. He lit the two small lanterns near the stage and lifted Sinbad from the wall. Showtime. The marionette's black eyes looked back at him blankly. Peter checked the joints, still amazed that Vola had taken the puppet apart just so she could learn its secrets. And suddenly Vola's secret philosophy card flashed in his mind. I would have been a good teacher. She was right about that. He thought about how easily she suggested techniques in his drills without making a big deal of anything. How she had him watch while she carved, then let him figure out things for himself. How she asked him questions about everything and didn't answer for him. But she was all wrong about being too dangerous to be near people. Anyone who knew her would tell her that. The problem was that no one knew her, except maybe him. He hung the marionette back on the wall. I think, Sinbad, I'm going to give you the night off. He went outside and fished a wrist-thick limb out of the brush pile. Back inside, he sawed off the ends and nailed on a base. He lashed the rock's tin bowl next to the top, then fixed it on the stage. Next, he lifted the sorceress puppet from its perch and unscrewed its left leg. Ready? Bola called out. Peter climbed the stack of hay bales he'd set up behind the stage and picked up the sorcerer's controls, surprised his hands weren't shaking. Because suddenly, everything he'd been so sure of an hour ago now seemed like a terrible idea. When she'd come into the barn, Vola had been wearing a long purple skirt instead of her overalls, and she had combed her hair, something Peter had never seen before. She had been astounded at the stage he'd built, and it hadn't been an act. You have the makings of a woodworker, she said. If I were in the market for an apprentice, I'd offer you the spot. In another few minutes, what would she think of him? It was too late for second guessing, though. Ready? He lied. Vola turned down the four overhead lanterns. Then Peter heard her drag a stool to the middle of the barn. This is the story of a girl, he said. He heard Vola take in a sharp breath, and then he didn't hear a sound after that. Not when he pulled the curtain and drew the sorceress up from the plank. Not when the seed corn he'd piled on her stomach like peaches spilled off. Not when he wrapped her in his camouflage t-shirt, tucked her hair into a clay bowl helmet and slid the stick into her hand as a rifle. Not when he had her shoot the rifle. Not when he unscrewed her leg. Not when he made her climb to the nest. Peter had expected a protest when he lit the nest on fire. But still, Vola didn't make a sound. And just as he'd practiced, the fire was only a mo momentary flare as a handful of wood shavings in the bowl flashed up. Just enough time for him to take off the marionette's army uniform. He drew her up out of the nest and eased her to the stage, where he propped the child puppet beside his carved fox. He had her bend low to the child, then turn and stroke the fox. And then he pulled the curtain. Peter hung the controls. He waited, but still there was only silence. He stretched to look over the stage. Vola stared straight ahead, right through him, her face as rigid as if it had been carved of wood. The tears streaming down her cheeks gleamed in the flicker, flickering light. Somehow they only served to make her look noble. I'm sorry, I only meant you're not a grenade. You're good. You took me in. You're training me so I can get packs. 
Leave me alone, boy. Her voice was low and wire tight. Wait, I think it's stupid to waste your life out here for some kind of punishment. I mean, maybe that guy didn't even care about that book. Maybe he won it in a poker game the night before. Maybe what he cared about was, I don't know, Peter stilled himself being a teacher or something. At the word teacher, Vola shot her chin at him, but he didn't look away. Yeah, maybe he wanted to be a teacher. So maybe you should go do that for him. But you'll never know. So I think you should go out and live your life. I'm just saying that whatever bad thing wrecked you before, you could start over like the Phoenix and... I know what you're saying. You're not wrong, but get out of here now. Leave me be. Peter started to argue, but his words withered at the sight of her sitting so still, head so high, tears now rolling down her neck. He wrapped the sorceress's controls and then climbed down from the hay bales and picked up his crutches. The silence of the barn felt enormous. Okay, okay, he said, just to break it. The walk to the cabin in the dark took forever. Inside, a covered plate rested on the counter. He slumped against the doorframe, washed in guilt. Vola had made it up for him from dinner leftovers. You pick this chicken clean later tonight, you hear me? A fresh wave of guilt. She'd killed a chicken, something she didn't do often because she wanted him to have more protein. Peter shoved off from the doorframe and scooped up a box of matches from beside the stove. He had no idea how long she'd stay out there. But when she came back, it wouldn't be to a cold, dark cabin. This much he could do for her. He lit all the lamps and then laid a fire just the way he'd seen Vola do it each night. Sitting there watching it catch and grow, he replayed everything he'd said. It had all been true. Well, the part about the soldier maybe wanting to be a teacher had probably pushed it. But who knew? Maybe he had. No, there wasn't a single thing he hadn't meant to say. Nothing he regretted. A gust blew down the chimney, threatening the fragile fire. He reached for another section of newspaper. As he crumpled it, a headline caught his eye. Forces prepared to engage. Area to be evacuated. He flattened the sheet and read. He studied the map, unbelieving. And then he grabbed his crutches and pegged out to the porch so fast that Francois scrambled from his nest and shot out into the night. He jammed his clothes into his pack and then looked around. The phoenix bracelet, the photo of his mother and his mitt and ball were the only things of his in the room. He propped the bracelet on the hammock where Vola would find it, dropped the other things into his pack, and swung up into the kitchen. Vola was just coming in. She hung her hat on the peg and looked over to the fire, then back at him, at his pack. He handed the sheet of newspaper to her. Vola scanned it, then looked up for an explanation. He pointed at the map. The area they're closing off? He choked. That's only five miles from where I left Pax. Are you sure? It's a big area. I'm sure. See this empty place? It's an abandoned rope mill. It's got all these high stone walls, and it sits overlooking the river at the only place you can cross it. The rest is gorge. That's where they'll fight for the war. My friends and I used to play war at that mill. We said it was the perfect place for an ambush. We played war. I left Pax on the road leading up to it, thinking it would be... The war safe stuck in his throat. He shot up and lurched over to the pegs at the door to grab his sweatshirt. Stop. They're preparing for battle there. Don't be crazy. It's not crazy. It's right. I know it. Remember the cheese? You asked what kind I liked and I didn't know. My father likes cheddar, so that's what we have. 
maybe I used to like something else. It's like you said, I had that forgetting who you are disorder. I didn't remember what was right and what was wrong when I left PAX, but now I do. Now I know I need to go there. I know that. All right, maybe so, but you're still on one leg, boy. It isn't possible. Look at this distance. Well, I sat down with the map. No, I've wasted enough time. I'm not listening anymore. Hold on. Bolo lifted the paper. You come over here. See something. Peter frowned, but he swung back over. Robert Johnson, bus driver friend I've been telling you about, who's been mailing your letters? See this spot here? She tapped the top left corner of the map in the article. That town is the final stop on his route. He passes through here at 10 past 11, Tuesdays and Saturdays, and this is where he pulls up at the end of the night. What if I put you on that bus tomorrow? Seems like that would save you at least 250 miles. Leave you about 40 to cover on your own. You listening now? Peter dropped his crutches and sank to the chair, jelly-legged with relief. You do that for me? Only 40 miles? That's nothing. No, 40 miles across woods and hills on crutches is not nothing. Three days at least, I figure. And it'll just about kill you, but I think you can do it. So you'll stay at the stay the night now. Deal? Peter looked her, took her hand and met the, her gaze. Deal. Looking at Vola, her face still tear-streaked from what had happened in the barn. He knew he couldn't leave things that bro as broken as they were. And he didn't have much time to fix them. Deal, he said again. On three conditions.